0: Welcome to the Avail Leadership Podcast, where our goal is to help you take your leadership to the next level. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're connecting with Dave Travis. Dave works as a strategic counselor to senior pastors and church boards and has extensive experience in both pastoral ministry and the business sector. In this episode, we'll discuss topics such as forward focus framework and big data, as well as key insights and wisdom that every leader can apply on their journey. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Avail Leadership Podcast. My name is Virgil Sierra, your Avail Media host. I'm also the pastor of Vertical Church, also known as Iglesia Vertical, where we are one church, two languages. And as always, we have a wonderful episode today on the Avail Leadership Podcast. Our goal is to bring resources and leadership content that is going to help you in the art of leadership. We never disappoint. We have great leaders that have great insight to help us in our leadership journeys. Today, we have Dave Travis, who has worked extensively in both pastoral ministry and the business sector. Uh, Dave has been part of great organizations throughout his years that have to do with church and leadership. Uh, He's been in the church and in the leadership sector for for many, many years, and he has great wealth of resources, insight, and experiences that are going to help us. Um, uh, His connection with Generis throughout the years with Leadership Network, all these things have made him the wonder. Leader that he is, Dave. It's so good to connect with you here on the Avail Leadership Podcast. How you
1: doing? I'm well today. Thanks so much, Virgil. It's good to join you here in this first week of 2020. (laughs) 2021. It's already 2021. That's how. That's how much
0: 2020 has affected us that it feels like it's lingering. But, you know, I'm excited to have you with us, Dave, because I think our leaders are in for a wonderful podcast episode here with some great insight. Before we get into maybe some of the details, I'm really interested in some of the things we're going to get into. Before we get there, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, what's your journey been like?
1: So um, ministry-wise, which I think is the thrust of this podcast, I... Uh, Coming out of college, I began working for a local church. In fact, I'm still a part of that same local church almost 37 years later. I was on the staff there. I then uh, went to work for our denomination for eight years. And then I joined a team in 1995 called Leadership Network. It was based in Texas, though I still live here outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And through that season, you know, what I always tell people is if you... uh, If you keep growing and you don't mess up too much, they eventually make you the CEO. And so I (laughs) retired in 2018, where I'd served as CEO for about seven years, seven, eight years. Um, And so I got to experience a marvelous ministry there. And then I joined the team at Generis, where I am the director of strategic counsel to pastors and church boards. I know some of you are watching me today uh, on a uh, Google YouTube. uh, YouTube. That's what it is. It's a YouTube And uh, you can see this picture behind me of some of my mentors. You know, that's me, my friend Lyle Schaller, who I knew for about 20 years before his death. This is Peter Drucker, who I got to know in the last 15 years of his life and spent time, significant time with both of these men. And then, you know, almost every month and had weekly conversations with Bob Buford. Sadly, um, these three men are already with Jesus and all you got left is Dave. And so I hope to carry on the ministry that they showed to me in passing on some of what I learned from them to the church leaders of today. Yes, sir. Dave, I think that is
0: definitely part of your legacy, what you have by grace received um, and now pouring into so many churches, so many pastors and leaders. Uh, so we thank you for this time. Because I think even this recording this episode of of the available leadership podcast is going to be a great, great help for a lot of leaders. Um, Let's jump into, I guess, the first kind of topic that I want to touch on. We had a great conversation in preparation for this podcast. Um, You talked to me a little bit about the forward focus framework and, and you really kind of talked to me about focusing in on fall 2021. Can you bring a little bit of insight on what all this means?
1: Yeah, sure. So many of my clients who are large churches in generally healthy churches, but those leaders have been exhausted by 2020. And mm. part of that's because every week we're we're kind of making it up as we go and we're not setting very clear uh, kind of guidelines to our teams and to our people about what we're really focused on. And so what I've encouraged my clients is to say, look, the first nine months of this year, 2020, 2021, they're still going to be weird. They're still going to be odd. Let's be focused on the great reset and relaunch in fall of 2021. I say fall 2021 because that's when most major school systems, employers, uh, many other industries are saying, hey, we're gonna be back and fully engaged and we're gonna be in a different place both in our heads and our hearts and also physically in 2021 when it comes to the fall. Now, between now and then, well, we're gonna have to make other plans. We're gonna have to be very focused Uh, I know many churches are gathering now, like my church, but we're not more than 50% of our people, and I think that's going to continue. The good news is vaccines are rolling out here in January to many more people, but it's still going to be several months before people are totally inoculated, before people feel safe, so let's just plan for the first part of this year to still be about 50% of our normal ministry, and let's plan accordingly for that so that we can put more energy more time, more planning, and more focus on what the great reset and relaunch looks like in fall 2021.
0: Wow. So it sounds to me like uh, the fall 2021 framework is basically saying, hey, we got to do what we're doing now. We got to keep the organization going. But what we we need to invest some extra energy, effort, maybe even resources is pointing towards um, fall 2021.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, and the challenge we've had in this season is we're devoting too much energy to what's going on right now. And if I had any desire for my clients and for the churches that are listening here, the leaders that are listening, it's like, you know what, we need to put less emphasis, give ourselves more of a break, cut ourselves some slack uh, during this season. I do think there's some opportunities in this season that that we haven't seen before, but Let's recognize that the big opportunities are going to come at us later next year, in the fall of 2021. Uh, and so that's that's my encouragement to you. The resource that uh, you're referring to is called Beyond the Forward Focus Framework. I'm hmm. displaying kind of the cover of it here. Uh, yeah. Ebook. If you want to email me, we'll give you the email at the end of the show today, and I'll be happy to send anybody a free copy of that. That's so good. I,
0: I appreciate that, Dave. Um, I think that's helpful uh, to a certain degree. It's helpful because as leaders, um, and, and I'll just say, speaking for myself, it's been really hard to figure out what's going to happen, <laughs> you know, um, not to mention that each, each city, each state, you know, in our country uh, is looking different, you know, at the moment and as things are going. So um, I, I think it helps to kind of say, okay, let's focus on a target time period. Um, now, I know you just mentioned the book, um is is that's forward focus framework is that what the book is oh beyond the forward focus framework beyond the forward focus framework and why why is that book or, or what, what what is that going to help us figure out like what is that going to help us to learn and yeah, understand
1: sure. so uh, first of all uh, when i call it a book it's really more like a booklet i think it's 30 pages so you can uh-huh. read it in an hour um we developed this resource actually right last summer in july Um, Mm -hmm. to begin to turn our clients' attention towards what's the planning look like going forward. And because the same thing that was happening then is still happening now is that people are so focused on the present and what's happening next week and the next week and the next week that they're not thinking ahead.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: what we encourage people to do with the Forward Focus Framework, and there's some tools in the ebook that you can use, um, is to focus on three things. What we call the Focus Ministries the flexible staffing and your firmed up finances. And what does that look like for each season? So when I say focused ministries, where do we put 80% of our time, energy and attention, let's say in the early part of 2021 and then the latter part of 2021. And those things could look very different among each season. And you shouldn't have a lot of things Mm. that you're focused on right now. It should be three to five things. You can't do everything you were doing in February 2020. You've got to focus on what (laughs) you can do realistically in 2021 between now and next August. And even in fall 2021, you don't have to go back to doing it like you were doing it. You can create Mm. something new, fresh, and that uh, focuses the attention of your time, your energy, your staff, your people. So that's the first thing that we work through in the forward focus framework is really what are the focused ministries we need to be giving attention to during these yeah. seasons?
0: The folk, You mentioned also the, the flexible staffing or the, like the staff aspect of it. I'm really interested about that because I know that in our organization, you know, uh, in this process, normally we're trying to get our staff strong, sometimes trying to grow our staff. Um, what, what, what would you speak to as far as that?
1: Yep, sure. So flexible staffing means that um, every staff member now uh, has changed. They have to be flexible or willing to be flexible, or we may not have a place for them. Um, there are many churches that had lots of staff that have cut back because some of the ministries, they just aren't happening right now. Now, they may not be gone forever, but they've asked them to take furloughs or they've asked them to, to take reductions in hours or reductions in pay. Or they've refocused them in different mm-hmm. areas. Um, one of the things that uh, I advocate in a couple of these resources that i produced during COVID is we've had a huge shift from what I call platform to pastoral and then to personal ministry. What I mean by that is uh, in a large churches, which are, are primarily my clients, you know, pretty large churches, so much of the ministry was driven off what happens on the platform. Mm. But what we've learned in COVID, it's more important to have a pastoral presence with people and driving that down, whether that's through your small groups, even in through your digital spaces, how are you connecting with people and then finally to personal. How does that get to life on life? And that's through both the, the staff as well as your small group leaders, your other engagement leaders, your community service leaders, you know, making the ministry more personal. Yeah. And so that's moving people from uh, crowd to core. And we got to focus on that core of people who are aligned with our vision. We're aligned with where we think God is leading us, and pouring into those people during this uh, pandemic season. That's huge. I think that's I think that's an important key. I think that's something that
0: probably kind of shook a lot of uh, churches, pastors, and leaders uh, when when the whole when the whole COVID you know situation um, um, came about because. Uh, we were so used to church and ministry being run in a certain way <laughs> when all of a sudden everything was, the rug was kind of just taken from underneath. And, um, and I, and I love this. I love the the platform to pastoral, to personal, from the crowd to the core. You know, I think, th- I think these are things that as leaders, it's important for us to not only hear, but, but to learn about, um, to learn how to do this. Um, okay. So we're, we're talking about the, um, Forward Focus Framework, we're talking about focus ministries, these three areas that you say are very important, staff, uh, flexible
1: staffing, and then and then you mentioned finances. Yeah, what I call firmed up finances. Okay. And when I wrote the resource back in July, there were still a lot of questions about what churches and individuals' finances were going to look like in the fall. Hmm. We praise God that in many communities, not all, but in many communities, the finances have held up. And even if uh, the budget income wasn't what we expected, our expenses were also lower. So we've been able to create some some margin and some mm-hmm. wedge money. Um, if a church is doing okay financially right now, praise God. Uh, if it's not, there are ways we should be calling out the resources that we need. I think a lot of churches could be putting money aside right now, and creating that margin that they're going to need for their future ministry. I've even had some of our clients, and I don't do uh, capital stewardship consulting like some of my other generous friends do, but we have some churches that have entered into capital or other kind of funding campaigns and are seeing very good results right now. Part of that's because there's some large givers, large donors, high impact donors that have really been blessed during this season. Um, And, We've seen people that are able to call out those resources for some special projects, even like residencies or intern programs that aren't going to happen until next year. Hmm. People are willing to give here now in 2021, and we have to be continually calling out people to the vision of where we're headed, um, and that's how we need to firm up our finances. There's a couple other things we can talk about there, but. But that's what I want to emphasize is that this is not a time to think that, well, everybody's hurting because everybody's not hurting. There are some right. people who have done really well.
0: Right. Now, now why are all three of these components necessary? Why is it all three of them? Focus Ministries, staff, uh, flexible staffing, and firmed up finances. Why, why is it all
1: well, th- yeah, sure. no, focused on one maybe? Yeah, well, I think if you're just focused on the finances, you're going to miss the fact that you probably are spending more time keeping certain ministries alive in this season that you really don't need to be spending that time on. And so I'm very big on, let's pick the the key ministries that really drive the engines of God's kingdom work in our place. Mm. Uh, you know, what's the story God's telling through our church and how should we be telling that story in new ways in this season? So let's focus up first on the focus ministries. And then what are the key people we need, both staff, volunteers, and others to make those ministries happen? And that'll mm. help guide us in to see, well, what do we need for finances? What do we really need? And then where are we creating some margin and some, reserve or resource funds and opportunity funds to take advantages of opportunities that may be coming our way in the next few months. So good. I love this. Uh, Dave,
0: I love this because um, I think I think keeping it simple rather than having so many different multiple layers, maybe how we normally were before this situation, um, I think that's smart. Um, and just hearing you talk about it kind of makes me think, man, I really want to make sure I can uh um kind of laser focus in what are those focus ministries what are those key things that we they just need to we need to put our time our resources our energy towards especially looking forward looking ahead who are the people that are gonna be able to help us make this happen and then how are gonna how are we gonna fund this how are we gonna make sure that we're in a good place financially ready for whatever may come. Um I love this. I think I think this is huge for uh, at, towards the end of this podcast you're going to give us uh, more information so that people can be able to access that that book or booklet whatever you want to call it that you, that you have. I think it's going to be a huge huge help. I want to transition a little bit into another uh, conversation that we had as we prepared for this podcast and it's and it's the K-shape update. I had never I had never kind of heard it explained uh the K-shape
1: update. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that is? Sure, so when this pandemic started as as early as May, there were many economists and uh, consulting firms to corporations that were saying, hey, what is the recovery gonna look like coming out of this? Mind you, many of them thought that the pandemic season would be over you know, in fall of 2020. And instead mm. it's gonna probably run through, in some ways, summer of 2021. So they like. described it in terms of letters, and you know, one of the letters was the V shape, which was okay. We're going to see a very quick recovery. Another one was the U shape. Well, we're going to have a a, a very long season or a a season of pronounced economic downturn before it starts moving back up gradually. Finally, there was one called uh, uh, the L shape, which means we're going to have a depression that's going to be with us for a long time. And instead, what we've seen. Is what some are describing as the K shape. Here's what that means. It that means um, there's an upper line of a K. Think of a K in your uh, on the page. Uh-huh. There's a there's a line that's going up, and uh, those are people and communities and organizations where this pandemic season has actually been good for their finances. Hmm. Um, many people who are working from home that maybe are professionals, um, college-educated people, they, they've they done actually fairly well during this uh, season. Part of that is because maybe their income's up a little, but also their expenses are way down. They didn't take expensive vacations. They've been very prudent on their uh, food budget. They've been prudent in things, and so they have more money in the bank. In fact, right now, the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve reported there's more money in checking and savings accounts than ever before in the history of our country. Wow. All right. So that's the people that are moving up. We estimate that there's somewhere around 60% of the people that that describes in the United States. Now, sadly, there's also a a downline of the K. These Mm -hmm. are some people that have been hit very hard by this uh, pandemic recession and the economic downturn. These include people like food service workers, retail workers, others, where they've lost ground in this season and it's not everybody, but you know, it's about 20% of the people um, they've actually, they don't have as much money in their pocket. They got some stimulus money from the federal government. If you're a U.S. uh, based and other governments around the world did similar things, but they've had a a struggle. They've had a rough time. Mm -hmm. But what everybody missed is that in, especially in most churches and in many communities, there's also that straight line that takes to make a K that anchors the upper and the lower sections. And these are people whose income, you know what? It hasn't changed at all <laughs> in the last year. These are people who are on pensions, retirement, other uh, support payments that they've uh, benefited from, from a lifetime of work. So my parents who retired from a defense contractor in a school system, their income has not changed. Their Mm -hmm. expenses have gone down a little bit because they're not doing many of the things that they formerly did. Mm. Their Social Security check hasn't changed either. If anything, it went up a little bit. Um, Mm. And so as we look at congregations, we have to realize many of the church leaders I worked with had this thing in their brain that said, oh, people are hurting. People are hurting emotionally, but financially, it's a lot better than we think. Mm. So that's interesting. Um I think that the natural
0: thought like you just said the natural thought is people are hurting financially, uh, most people are kind of in that boat, but it's interesting what what this update what this report tells us. Now, what you're talking about this K-shape update, right? There's there's a, you know, whatever 60% that are kind of actually been increasing. Uh, you know, another percentage that's that that has been hit and then and then another percentage of people who are kind of it hasn't gone up or down. It's it's kind of been stable. Um, what does this mean practically for us as church leaders and
1: pastors, as people who are kind of leading the organization? What, is, what, what does a shape mean practically? Sure. So first of all, I've tested this with about 30 leaders now across the country, and I just asked them the question after I explained this. I, I covered it in a newsletter article I wrote, uh, churchleaderinsider.substack.com. You can look that up uh, to read more about this. But I just asked... You know, leaders, you know, what they would guess their church, uh, how they would flow out. And it's about, like I said, 60 percent uh, they think are doing better. Actually, in most churches, they say, you know, about 30 percent of our people, it's about the same. And then they would say, you know, about 10 percent of our people, they're struggling. But then they would say, but to be honest, we don't really know. Now, churches are different. I just want to call this out. Than some of our communities, churches Mm -hmm. tend to attract more stable people, more intact households, um, people that have uh, good social support networks. And I'm not saying that's to our credit. That may be to our shame Mm. uh, that we're not reaching people uh, as much as we should. However, I had one pastor who um, was able to meet and gather live for their annual Kind of church meeting, business meeting, and he just asked people to raise their hand. He explained the K shape and he says, "How many of you would would describe that?" Hey, you know what? Over the last several months, God's really blessed us. He's carried us through, and our finances are actually better. He said about seventy percent of the people raised their hand. Hmm. He said, "Well, how many of you, you know, are really having a hard time? Maybe you've lost your job, or maybe your hours have been cut severely." would you just do me the kindness right now and, and raise your hand? He said, and a few people did. He said, look, I know some of you are probably embarrassed, but I want you to contact me after this if that describes you. And he asked about the middle line, and you know more people raised their hand. And then he said, I want to know those of you who are on the middle line and the upper line, if you had the opportunity to help somebody in our fellowship that was on the lower line, would you be willing to do so? Everybody raised their hand. We want to help. We want to make impacts, especially on our brothers and sisters of the faith. And so this is a way that church leaders, when they call out these facts, can bridge that to helping believers meet the needs, both in their church and in their communities. And so I've had leaders who uh, looked at their Uh, Giving roles and those that they've talked to through like calling through the roles. How are you doing in your job? And when they say we're doing well, they get invited to, for example, a special Zoom session. Here's what we're doing at our church right now. We are so thankful for your continued faithfulness. Here's a project that we're doing in the next nine months that we could really use your help on. And there's always one that they say, and here's one that we're doing to serve right now those who are hurting will you make an extra gift to help us with that? They have seen marvelous results of calling out those who are doing well to serve those who are not doing well and to give uh, for some future projects. That's good. I love that. I mean, I think
0: that's, that's the church being the church. I think that's absolutely <laughs> that's the heart of 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 what we're called to as a, as a church community. Um, I, I love this information that you're sharing with us Dave, because I think it helps us to um, it helps us to begin to really think about what are things going to look like as we jump uh, into a new year, which is right around the corner. And uh, in fact, by the time we're listening to this or, or watching this, we're we're in the new year and uh, preparing for what's what's going to happen in this 2021 season. Um, before we jump into the next kind of um, subject that I want to jump into just on the, on the church finances area, what, what do you think, what, what would you say? Because I, and I don't know if you've had a little bit of um insider, or if you've heard a little bit about, um, I've heard from, from some, uh, in some church circles and some pastors of, of some churches that, that have had a hard time and maybe have had to close doors or uh, churches and ministries that maybe, um, this, this has hit them to such a point where they couldn't continue on. What have you heard about that? I mean, are, are, are we seeing uh, specific types of churches that are, that are closing their doors? You know, can you give us some insight on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have been in conversation with my clients who are uh, more healthy churches, mind you, and uh, usually larger churches. And they are seeing lots of other churches come to them and saying, can we be adopted and can we do a merger with your church? Wow. I have a process, which I call a mission-driven merger. And it's a way that churches can evaluate whether this is a good plan for, for both parties uh, during this season. So I think there is that. It is going on. The churches that have struggled are those that had no online giving before um, this pandemic started. And so they've shifted that. Um, They're those that are afraid or reticent to call out um, those who do have good resources to give, to be a part. And then there are also those who have had really, I mean, in many cases, and this is sad to say, and I'm not being critical, but they had lost touch with their people because they were so focused on what happens on the platform. right? The churches that are winning, and I I say that kind of loosely, but what I mean is those that are really making personal connections with people through phone, email, text, and not automated, but connecting with people, they're the ones that are seeing the fruits of their labor, both to disciple people better and also serve them well during this pandemic season.
0: Yeah, I agree. I
1: agree. I've, I've heard that. I've seen that.
0: And and I think that that's, that's really key. It's, 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 it's sad, I think, when you know that this is happening. But at the same time, this is a time to start to strengthen the areas that need to get strengthened in our ministries. Um, I guess another question kind of on the same um, wavelength that I wanted to ask you is, um, what do you think, you know, for a pastor, uh, that, that is uh, a pastor or, or for a kind of an executive team, if you will, at a church, yeah. uh, heading into this new season, right. Whether it's a, a large medium or smaller church, um, is there a strategy, for example, regarding staffing, for example, if we have, let's just use a round number. If we have 30 employees, you know, or 50 employees, do is there a need to say, hey, we need to cut down? Is there a strategy that we need to follow? Do um, you know what I mean? Like, like is Absolutely. there something that we need to think about?
1: Yeah. So uh, many of the churches, which took some of the governmental assistance, depending on which country you're in, um, they were able to hold on to their staff for a, for a couple of months. And they, they had to as a condition of the PPP loan, for example. However, that avoided making some really hard decisions and calls at looking at their ministry and saying, you know, where do we need to slim down at least for the next nine months, year, two years? Um, I haven't met any churches yet that didn't have places where they could trim, cut, and even slash, in some cases, certain <laughs> ministries, especially if it's not going to be a focused ministry for the next year right. or the next nine months. Um And so I had one client church very early in the pandemic, which had decided because of some of their own points of view, they were not going to take any of the governmental assistance. Um, And they let their church know that. And they also said, and we're going to be having to let go about 25 percent of our staff. And, you know, a few people at that period, it was a very tense time, stepped up and gave a little more. But then they had other business people. and In fact, they said, look, we've got some good people on our staff. And we're going to need to let them go for a little while. But if you have a job to give, would you be willing to
0: mm-hmm.
1: employ these people during this season? And several leaders stepped up and said, we would love to, you know, uh, we'd love to help give. One guy, I was told, uh, went to work for like a grocery establishment, which was, you know, their establishment was putting on lots of people. Because, you know, the grocery mm-hmm. business kind of went crazy. I know, um, <laughs> Yeah, our, and so the guy went to work in the grocery store and the pastor reported to me he says you know that pastor's come back to us and says you know i think i have more impact in this grocery store for christ than i did working <laughs> at the church Wow! thank you so much for letting me find this new ministry role now uh he not only got that he, he got better benefits uh the pay was a little not quite as good but the better working hours, you know, he was actually very thankful. I think the other thing that we're learning, is, especially in this season, is um, we've had a lot of people leave the workforce uh, voluntarily or involuntarily, and now they're saying to themselves, how can I contribute to the things I love? And so my friend George Bullard calls these uh, folks uh, 2244 mission mobilizers, and I described this in the Beyond Resource. You can look at it. These are people who will give 22 hours a week to your church, 44 weeks a year. And they're volunteer staff. And you treat them like a staff person. You engage them in your staff ministries. And so Mm. for those who have to cut staff or have to lose staff due to finances, you'd be surprised. There are people in your church with a meaningful role, a meaningful part, maybe a title, maybe a section of the office they can come in. 22 hours a week is really like weekends and a few other days. Um, 44 weeks a year means if they're a retired person, they can still go see the grandkids You know, 12, 13 weeks a year, but they can be present and serving the rest of that time. I think it's a marvelous opportunity for us if we'll look at it that way.
0: Very interesting. Very good advice, I think, for uh, some some passenger church to, to consider, especially if, especially if the if there's been challenges in, in, in meeting payroll or if there's been challenges in saying, hey, can we continue to have you know certain staff members on okay, let's transition Dave into um, into this topic of big data. I know that I know that this is something that 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 caught Dr. Sam Chan's attention when you were uh, talking with him a little while back. Uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, about
1: what big data is. So big data is the uh, opportunity that uh, many companies use to take all kinds of data points, combine those together, develop an algorithm that predicts a person's behavior, and then to use that data for either marketing or to help better meet their needs. So when I use the term big data, it's not just that there's all this data. It's how we package, use, and process that data uh, for ends that serve really the end user, which is in this case, not the company or the church or the organization, but the person that they're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. I was working on this uh, for the last uh, several years of my leadership network career with an organization called Glue, G-L-O-O, that's G-L-O-O dot U.S. Mm-hmm. And we were experimenting with uh, about 100 churches, all told, and how to use these kinds of tools and understandings to apply to church ministries and recovery ministries and other types of nonprofit ministries, so Sam got excited about it. I told him a couple stories <laughs> that he had never heard, and uh, and so that's why he wanted me to raise the issue with you today, Virgil. <laughs> can, can you?
0: tell us a little bit of how, how churches are applying these tools, maybe a couple of examples. Is there something that, you know, because I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, especially kind of the, uh, you know, the, the, um, the leaders that really like the information, the the data, the, the percentages, the statistics.
1: Sure. So first of all, uh, if you're subscribed to the glue platform, they'll coach you in how to use some of these, but I'll tell you how we've seen a few churches use it. So, In the Glue platform, essentially, you put in the address of your church. You can draw radiuses around it. It'll give you a complete report of kind of who lives in your community. This is really all about understanding who lives in your community and how you can better serve them. And so what these data platforms do and what Glue does, as well as other companies, by the way, is they take all kinds of data source information that are publicly available or third-party data, as they call it, And then they apply that back uh, to make predictions about people that live on a certain street, in a certain house, um, in a neighborhood. So, for example, um, the data platform, if you said, hey, how many people in this uh, circle of 10 miles around our church are expecting their first child this year? Um, it will tell you how many people, and then it'll create a file where you could create a Facebook ad or a direct mail piece that you wouldn't get their names, but you would be able to send them a message about a ministry that you're offering. Now, these are all pre COVID examples. I'll give you that. <laughs> um, and so I had one church that did that. They said, Hey, we want to know in our community who's expecting their very first child because we're going to offer a class, we're going to do it on Thursday nights. We're going to do it for six weeks. We're going to call it how to script the first year of your baby's life. And so they put out a couple of Facebook ads that were just targeting. You know, my kids are grown and gone, Virgil. I would have never <laughs> seen that ad, right? And they had like a, a, a OBGYN doctor, a pediatrician, uh, a nurse practitioner that was talking about baby care. And then they would also say, hey, we think spiritual, you know, developing your child spiritually is important. And here's what the first year of life could look like as they're engaged with God. And uh, they had about 40 couples, I was told, that signed up for the class. 30 of those couples had never been in touch with this church before. They were just interested in the topic. Yeah. It was very targeted. Uh, and, they, and what the church was trying to do was get to know these couples. They had the events. And in that case, they had them live at the at the church. Um, you know, the tool can also be used to tell you, you know, how many people have a marriage in need. Um, by that, they mean you know a, a marriage that may be troubled, uh, that mm. may have some needs for counseling, and you could also plan you know classes and special outreaches that. Or if you were going to do a Family series at your church or a marriage series at your church. You could target some advertising just to those people. Uh, I remember the ad they created for one of these. It so showed instead of like a bride and groom on a you know a wedding cake with a tuxedo and a dress, uh, they sent that one to people that they expected had healthy marriages, and to people they thought were in troubled marriages, they sent a picture of the Rockam Sockam robots. And they said, perhaps your marriage looks like this. You know, come and let's talk about how your family relationships can be strengthened with some ancient wisdom. And the ancient wisdom they were referring to there was, you know, of course, the scriptures, the Bible. And so they were able to reach people in new ways at their point of need. Um, We've also seen churches use this for recovery ministries because the data models will predict you know, the, the individuals in your communities that have issues with addiction. Um, mm-hmm. There's all kinds of things that we learn from this data. The other thing we learned from the data is um, because they, they combine some of this data, that was all third-party data, but they also combine it with what's known as second- and first-party data. And so first-party data means I tell the platform what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Second-party data means there was a study done at other places, and then they went back and said, because these people said these things, and we noticed these other bits in their data trail, that we can project and we can predict analytically that um, here are the the patterns. And so the famous story that, um, that I told Sam was about the Target gift registry. And so the Target baby registry knows who is, probably pregnant in their community because they signed up for the gift registry for baby gifts. Here's the gifts I want. Hmm. And then they looked at what those people actually bought during their pregnancies and right before their pregnancies, they could then use that data and say, well, who else in our community has bought those kinds of items? And I think they boiled it down to three items. If we see a female that buys these items and of course everything is scanned, then we can predict who's actually pregnant and start sending them information about things they could buy while they're pregnant, prenatal vitamins, here's how much diapers are. Uh, And so that's how corporations are using that kind of data uh, to inform their own marketing. And what GLUE did and what Leadership Network did with that data is to say, hey, how could we use some of those same ideas to better serve congregations in the communities in which they serve? This is very intriguing, and I think um,
0: I think that this is a subject that probably hasn't even crossed a lot of pastors and church leaders' minds. Uh, the reality that we can we can understand a little bit more about our community by using some of these resources. Where where would where would you point some church leaders and pastors? What direction would you point them to if they want to know more about this?
1: Sure. So my uh, partners in that venture were uh, the company Glue. That's G L O O dot U S. Go there. You can sign up for their services, see all the things they offer. The Barna Research people have also partnered with them to do some studies about Christians and then projecting it back into both your congregation. Uh, Generis also has a product and a a process and assessment they do about generosity, partnered with Mm -hmm. Glue to help you evaluate your own church analytics when it comes to who are kind of the The people that give and what's common about them, what are the common patterns we see in that data. So there's several partners that work on that. But just go to glue.us. Or if you're really interested in the generosity side of it, if you'll just reach out to me. I'm going to get my email now and then a little at the end. Dave, D-A-V-E dot Travis, T-R-A-V-I-S at generis. And that's G-E-N-E-R-I-S dot com. Let me know if you want the Beyond Framework or you want uh, some other insights about big data. I'd be glad to hook you up. That's so good. Um, what, what what are some other ways that
0: Generis can be a help to a lot of the people, uh, a lot of leaders and church pastors?
1: Yeah, so Generis really has been around for 31 years now. Their primary ministry has been in uh, fund development, capital stewardship campaigns, one funds. Uh, coaching people in generosity. However, the last few years, I joined the team, and there's a team of leaders like myself who work in what we call the effective ministry team. Um, We work in areas, or my specialty areas, are uh, what I call a pastor-smart succession process, which really works with leaders my age and older for the most part that are handing off and who are changing to a different season of life. Um, The missional merger process I've already mentioned, Story crafting for church strategy is another one of my processes. Building better boards is one of my processes. So uh, those are kind of the things that I do through Generis. We have a whole team that specializes in family ministry, multi-site, uh, creating core culture, all those kinds of areas that we'd be happy to serve you and your church in. That's so good. It sounds like, it sounds like there's a lot, there's a lot that generics can help with. And, and
0: that you, Dave, um, I mean, I, I could tell you, you've had a lot of experience in this. And uh, I guess as we're kind of uh, heading towards the final stretch here, I have a question for you. What, um, and I'm sure that as the years have gone by, it's probably shifted, but what, what are you most passionate about right now? As far as, as far as um, your role as a, as a Consultant as a coach, you know, as a yep. as a leader of leaders. What 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 what's what's got you? What are you excited about right
1: now? Well, I think the framework that I work from is that God is writing a unique story uh, in each of our lives, and 2020 has been a story none of us expected. <laughs> For sure, I, I joke that I wrote a book the beginning of 2021 called "What's Next 2020." And totally missed the biggest thing to impact the church altogether, so, uh, which was the pandemic. Uh, however, um, I think every leader's story and every church's story is, operates on four levels. There's the story that God is telling to the world. There's the story that it's in the life of the prime leader the individual leader, that the story God has written on their life and their heart. The third layer of story is the congregation story. And every congregation has a story, and it's not just the leader's story. That congregation has a story, just like yours, Virgil. That you yeah. said, you know, your church, Vertical Church, and also, and I can't say it in Spanish. <laughs> Iglesia but, Vertical. But that is a unique story. And, and you as a leader, who uh, you have a unique story because yours is a little special because uh, your father was once the pastor of that church. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: And then finally, there's the community story. And when those stories line up, when God's story that He's telling to the world—that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself—intersects with the leader story in unique ways, intersects with that congregation story, and then the community story, well, explosive things can happen.
0: So good, uh, you know, I, I love that. I think, I think it is exciting to be able to think what we're doing today is going to have an impact in years to come, and, I, and I'm, sure, sh- you know. Um, from what you've been doing, Dave. It's it's so it's so exciting to, to learn from you, learn from leaders like yourself uh, who have been walking along with churches and with pastors for some time. Um, I'm sure that you've been able to celebrate great victories. I'm sure that you've also, uh, you know, have ha- have shed some tears with some leaders and pastors along the journey, but this is the hope. We have the message of the gospel is the greatest message in the world, and we have the responsibility to reach the mo- more people as we go and to walk with them through it. So uh, that, that's exciting. I want to go into how people can connect with you. Um, you've already mentioned a little bit about your you know, your, your email. Uh, what else? How can people connect with you and the ministry uh, and the, um, the coaching and all that that you do?
1: Sure. So if you go to generis.com, and I think it's backslash or forward tra- slash, I never can tell which is backwards and forwards on those things. <laughs> and then it's Dave-Travis. There's a web page there. It has a little bit of my bio. It has some free resources you can download that either I wrote or one of my colleagues wrote. Uh, Just go to that page. You'll find out all about me. Or, I do do a newsletter that goes out every other week. It's called Great. Excuse me. It's called Church Leader Insider. That's ChurchLeaderInsider.substack.com to get on that list. It's free. Finally, I do a podcast called Great Things God Has Done, and it's uh, GreatThingsGodHasDone.substack.com has all the back issues there of the podcast. Comes out every other week as well. Interviews with senior pastors from around the country. It's a lot of fun. I think God's gonna write a new story for us in 2021. I think uh all those who've been missing the gatherings and the connections with people, I just want to give people hope for 2021. Yeah. We really we're gonna get there. Um, and God's <laughs> gonna write a new story in your life, in your church's life. Uh, I look forward to that. Oh, yes, we need that hope. We need that, we
0: need that hope. We need that. That vision, it's coming. It's, it's a little taking a little longer than we hoped for, but it's coming in Jesus' name. Uh, that's great. So I want to let everybody know, everybody who's connected right now, as always, uh, there's some great resources that uh, Dave has just shared. Make sure you connect with him and connect. There's a lot of free resources he, ha- he has on there. Uh, I'm, are they able to get the 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 book as well? The, the, I think it's on that page. And if not, just email me and I'll shoot it to all you. All right. Yeah, the email is dave.travis at generis.com. Um, also want to mention the Avail Journal. Dave, I'm sure you've had a chance to talk to Dr. Sam about uh, the Avail Journal. This is a wonderful journal. If you haven't done
1: so.
0: You're a subscriber. Yes, I love it. I love it. I want everybody to know if you haven't done so, you can uh, actually claim your free annual subscription for the Avail Journal by going to availjournal.com. This journal is uh, stacked full of amazing articles
1: and resources for church leaders. Uh, any, anything you want to add there, Dave, about the Avail Journal? Well, what's great is that if you subscribe to the Avail Journal, you also get a couple other bonuses and resources along the t- along the way. Like I just got sent, you know, Sam Chan's newest book about tension nice. because I yes. think because I would subscribed to the journal. There's a lot of goodies
0: that the avail team likes to add in there. And uh, again, uh, Dave, we're so honored uh, that you'd be here with us. Can you just, what's what's a la- some final thoughts, any closing remarks? Uh, we've talked about a lot of just a lot of good, just kind of uh, statistical, uh, analytical, uh, forward thinking aspects of the church and leading the church. Um, what's What's one last thing you want to leave us with today?
1: So my big encouragement to you as we start 2021 here, that God uh, is writing a new story on our hearts. Focus first for the first nine months or eight months on your core and equipping them for the harvest that I think will come in the latter part of 2021. Focus on um, praying that the workers will be ready to receive the harvest and not just to go back to what we did this time last year in January of 2020. That we'll be ready for what God is writing on our hearts and writing in our church's lives. So good. I love that. Um,
0: Dave, on behalf of the Avail leadership team, let me just say we are honored. To have you, we're thankful for you for for the um, for the investment that you have made throughout so many years uh, in the church and in pastors and in leaders. Uh, we really believe, you know, you mentioned at the beginning uh, how you know some of those men were such a great inspiration as mentors to you that you have there. Uh, as we're watch- those of us who are watching the video can see that picture. Uh, but you know what, Dave? I think I think that um, you are. What they were to you, I think you are to so many. And so on behalf of the Avail team, we honor you. We thank you for all the things you've been doing. Thank you, Virgil. Been good to be with you. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody. Thanks for connecting with us once again on the Avail Leadership Podcast, where we want to bring practical, relevant, effective leadership resources to pastors, church and ministry leaders, as well as marketplace leaders, thank you for connecting with us. And remember, you can always find great resources at theartofleadership.com. We love you and we'll see you next time here at the Avail Leadership Podcast. We hope you've been equipped by this conversation with Dave Travis. You can connect with him at generis.com forward slash Dave-Travis. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription to the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. Remember, if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Leadership Podcast.